Uh, let me pray, and uh, we're going to jump into this word. We're doing grace that works. We did uh, grace beyond reason last week, and we talked about just the craziness of God's grace, how wild it is, and you're like, I can't forgive that way. I can't do things that way. I can't, I can't do all the things that God talks about in grace. It's so hard for my flesh. So this week, we're going to talk about how grace actually works and get into that. So Father, I pray that today you would help us to understand your word in a deeper way. And Lord, help us to be able to grasp, God, just what this really is about, Lord, even if we've been in church a long time and think we know, Lord, help us to actually know in a deeper way, Lord, there's always more we can learn because you're infinitely graceful, infinitely wise, Lord, infinitely different than we are. And so we thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so what is grace? Grace is actually uh, not just what you think of. In the Bible, there's a word grace is used a lot of times, and the word favor is used a lot of time. And if you look up the words, you look up the Greek or the Hebrew words, they're really the same. It's interchangeable. A lot of times, the exact same word will be used, and in one verse, it says favor, and in another verse, it says grace. But it's the same word. It just depends on the context. But the meaning is more than just, oh, grace, like forgiven. You know, like we get those Mr. Clean. They have those little uh, Clorox little cubes now, and you can wipe stuff off the wall. Like anything that happens, you can just grab one of those things, put a little water on it, rub it on something, and the whole thing gets clean. It's just amazing. Unless you're walking down the stairs, you trip, and you dump a whole cup of mocha coffee on the wall. That doesn't work. It just takes the paint off, FYI, if that ever happens to you. Don't try it. But here is the word. It's, it's uh, Jairus, Zaris, Jairus however you want to pronounce that. But it's a free gift. It's favor. We think about the free gift of grace, but this is favor disposed to, which means that it leans towards. It's inclined towards, favorable towards. In other words, this is the idea of, of grace and favor, is that God is actually seeing you and not just saying, okay, grace. Like a judge sits behind a counter and says, okay, I'm going to forgive this. This person has grace. They don't have to serve a sentence. Okay, that's grace. But that is a very legal type of a grace towards somebody. The biblical grace is different. It's not behind a counter. It's not up behind a desk like that. It's not kept away from the people. It's actually to come around that desk, to get in front of it, to walk down to where the person's at, and to lean forward to them. If you think of it in a court situation, it would be to lean forward to them and say, do you know what? I'm going to give you grace. You're not going to serve this sentence. And how can I help you? Do you need a place to live? Do you need a job? How can we help put things together? It's, it's different. It's actually giving favor towards, leaning towards, and participating with. So when we talk about the grace of God, it's not just that he forgives. It's that he's really going to pour out his spirit and to give us actually some help in what we're doing. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Because now I get to do the fun part, um, which is I get to use some tools today. And so I'm going to start off uh, with the um, chainsaw here. Uh, Robert is out of town right now, Robert Goodman. He's cutting down trees right now on a property of his own, and it's been an exciting time for him. But I'm going to be using uh, this chainsaw, which is a style brand, steel. Thank you, Gordon. Appreciate that deeply. So my understanding in talking to Stosh is that you pull the, you pull the cord. And so thank you, Stosh. It has a blade, sharp one. And you pull the cord here. And so let me. I need leverage. Okay. So in theory, you can pull the cord and you will be able to just start this bad boy up. Do we have a medic in the house? 
My wife might need it. I won't. So we start. I really think I need the leverage. Wait, stop. Okay, so it's not going to start. No, so I think we need gas. No, I, gas is important. So we're going to need a little bit of that. There we go. All right. So gas is helpful, I guess. That's how these things work. Nowadays, everything's electric. Ooh, that sounds better. Oh, we are on. That's so good. All right, so to get a chainsaw going, right, why didn't it start at first? There's no gas. Okay, so we're talking about grace. Okay, grace is the idea that even if we try, we can't start. Even if we try our best over and over and over and over again, that we can't do what we're supposed to do, what we're made for. I can't get out of my depression. I can't get out of my anger. I can't get out of my bitterness. I can't get out of, like, I can't get out. I can't move forward. I can't be generous. I can't be kind. I can't be, I can't fix this relationship. I can't reconcile. I can't forgive. I can't, whatever the things that we talked about last week, we try and try and try and try and try and we can't. Grace is saying, okay, I realize you can't. Why? Without gas, what's the change? It's dead. Okay? And that's what the Bible's talking about, is that we're dead in our trespasses and sins. We don't have life in us. We're dead. So the first thing that grace does is it comes and it actually gives us life. So he puts, puts the gas in. God's spirit comes into us. Okay, I've got gas. Okay? If I put gas in this and say, well, I added gas, so now we're good, and I just leave it there, what happens? Is it any more useful? It's no longer dead, but is it useful for the purpose that it was made? No. So that's what we're talking about. Grace first brings life by giving what we need in order to get started. Okay? Great. But many people receive grace. They receive God's spirit. They, they get saved. But they never actually move on to do what God's called them to do or what God made them for. Because even though they've received that, it's never gone past that to become activated and to actually use it to actually do the work that he's called us to do. Does that make sense? Okay, so this is what we're talking about. Grace works. First it brings and it saves us. We can go to that first slide on that. Is that first we receive it. It's like this gas, it comes in, and this is out of Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. It says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's something that we're receiving through faith. It's not about doing anything works-wise. It's not about cutting down a tree. It's not about pulling the cord and getting started. It's just simply about take the cap off of your heart, stop blocking God out, take off the cap and say, okay, fill me up. I'll take it. I need it. That's the beginning. So we receive. And it's just by faith. It's just by trusting him. It's just by opening up our heart. Then it moves on to a grace that saves because once it comes in, that's what it does. It brings life and it saves. This is Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. It says, but because of his great love for us, that was God's motivation. It wasn't just to fix you. It was to love you, right? And to get you in a state where you can be 
loved. Well, I could always be loved. That's not true. You were a mess. I was a mess, full of anxiety, full of stress, full of bitterness, very unlovable, not because you're not valuable, but I got little kids, and around me, I've had kids that I've raised, I've got a little kid now, and guess what? If they are in a hurting situation, they're unlovable. You try to pick them up and cuddle them, they don't want to be cuddled. They want to scream, they want to push off, they want to fight, like I'm just trying to hold you and calm you down. They don't want that, but they're unlovable. Because there's things going on. And so first he wants to give us this grace we receive it. But he's loved us. And so he's trying to get us into a place where he can interact with us again and have relationship with us. It says, so God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead. Okay, well I'm trying hard. Dead things can't just produce more. They need life brought. In transgressions, that's sin. If you don't know that word, it means sin, transgression. I've transgressed God. I've gone against God. I've broken relationship off with him. And it's by grace that you've been saved. So it, it, we receive it, and then it saves us. The next thing that it does is that it justifies and adopts us. So we receive it, and that's great. So now we have opportunity for relationship. We're saved. We're received. Like, I'm alive. I'm saved. Now what? You know, we have a lot of people that work with foster and adoption here in our church. Okay, so you go into a situation where a kid is in a bad place, a bad environment. They get pulled out of there. Maybe there's addiction going on, abuse, there's neglect, whatever's happening. You pull them out. Okay, they've been saved, right? But now what? Well, the next step is to get them adopted, right? Get them in a family. Move them somewhere where they can be taken care of. And so God pulls us out of our sin, pulls us out of these things. Admit it or not, we did to others or to ourselves. And so he cleanses us. He justifies us through the cross and through Jesus taking our penalty that way. And then when that's done, well, let me read the verse first. It says, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So God comes in, washes us, cleans us, cleans our mind, cleans our hearts. Whom he poured out on us so richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, that's a free thing because of the cross, we might become heirs. We would get adopted into a family according to the hope of eternal life. Then he moves forward. I've got you adopted. What do you do if you have a child or if you adopt a child or you bring in a foster child and they've come out of a traumatic situation? What is their personality? What is their uh, behavior? What is their social usually like? It's usually not great. Right? There's detachment disorders, there's anger, there's all kinds of things going on. And so if you adopt them in, if you love them, what are you going to do next? Start training them. How to interact with people, how to receive love, how to connect, how to be cared for. You gotta, i got to teach you how to do things this way so that you can actually move forward and be a part of a family. Otherwise, we get somebody stuck in the same like repetitive thing where they, they're, they can't attach and they feel like they're going to get abused and they live in fear and they can't get connected. And so he does this teaching part of it. It says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches. So grace actually teaches us, which means it's not just cleansing and, and cleaning a slate. It's the power of God working through his Holy Spirit, and it comes to teach. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will be our teacher. He'll be our counselor. He'll be our comforter. He comes to do these things, show us the difference between sin and between righteousness. So the Holy Spirit comes and is going to like move in and start teaching us, which is God's grace leaning towards us and helping us, but teaches us to do two things, to say no, right? You might have some things in your life right now that you need to just say no to. You don't even need to fix them. You just need to say no and just walk away. 
It might be a relationship that's not good. It might be a, a job that you just need to get out of. It might be an environment that you keep going back to and thinking, I can make it better. You just need to say no. It might be a, an addiction that you keep thinking, I can control or I can handle. I just need to, to do it better, but you can't. You just need to say no and walk away. It could be any of those things, but it's just, a, okay, this is a no for me. And your ability to say no to that. And so to ungodliness, worldly passions, and then besides no, now the yes is to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And he didn't say, he says, in this present age, knowing that the word was going to be continually read throughout, and it's intendedly worded that way so that when we get to our age and we read it, it still says for us, what, in this present age. Well, it's so much harder now. All the temptations and all the things and all the technology and all the... In this present age, God's grace wants to work in us by his Holy Spirit for us to live a self-controlled life where we can actually control our passions, control our desires. We're not made to just follow our hearts. We're made to follow God. And God's heart is not always the same as our heart. His desires are not always the same as our desires. His ways are not always the same as our ways. And we're made to follow him. Why? Because he knows the way. Kyle, Pastor Kyle's, in, I think, with kids today somewhere. But he's doing uh, hiking this week. He's going up in the mountains for like three days, like actually three days in the mountains, not travel time. Travel there, and then once you're there, three days. Three days in the mountains, no cell phone coverage, nothing. I hike way up in the mountains with bears and with all those things. And I'm not going to show any, tell him I showed you this, but he's taking this with him, by the way. I guess that's in case he sees a bear. Or something, I don't know. But he brought this knife. He said, somebody said, I don't have, even have a knife to take in the woods, but I've got a knife. So he's taking this gigantic pocket knife. Of course, he's a big man, so this might feel like a regular knife for Kyle. <laughs> Feels like a big knife. Well, he brought it to show somebody that said he didn't have a knife, and then he forgot it on the chair, which is amazingly safe for children. So, surprisingly, Jenna was sitting there watching the whole thing and didn't even, like, step in to protect her, her family. So we have this knife, but there is this ability of God to come in, right, and to start moving us forward to teach us and to train us to do right things. And Kyle's going to be up in the mountains doing this, and he's going to be away from everything, and he's going to have to just depend on what's out there, depend on nature, and depend on things. But guess what? There's a guide that he's going with that's done this before. So once they're up there, what if they're up there and the guide's like, don't go that way. There's bears. Don't go that way. There's no water. Don't go that way. And he's like, I'm following my heart. Would that make any sense? No. So we have God. His word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. He knows where to go. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He knows all these things. And he says, go this way. And we're like, nope, I got it figured out. I'm following my heart. And he's like, oh, there's a bear over there. You're going to get eaten. No, I'm not. I'm fine. I got a knife. I know how to protect myself. And we go down and do things that God has said, don't do that or don't go that way. And he says, go this way. And we end up in trouble. I'm like, I don't understand why God doesn't love me. Like, he's, you go, and then he'll not let you die. He'll bring you back, patch you up, and help you. But it teaches us and trains us what not to do and what to do. And then it also changes our desires. Grace comes in and works to actually change our desires. When I first really gave my heart to the Lord, I thought, this is going to be so miserable. So as an adult, I mean, as a little kid, I gave my life to the Lord. But then I walked away from the Lord, and when I really was an adult and fully comprehended, I'm like, I'm giving my life to the Lord. My, really, my, my true thoughts were, I am signing up for a life of misery. 
Self-denial. Everything I want to do, I can't do anymore. Every direction I want to go, I can't go. All of my ideas are bad ideas now. Everything in my heart is going to be bad. Like, I have to do everything this way. It's so terrible. And that's how I thought and felt because God's, God's ways were different than my ways. And so I thought this, but it wasn't true because he literally begins to change my desires and things that used to be temptations or draw me, stop drawing me. Some of them right away, some of them over time. As the Bible says, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. My mind started to change, and as my mind started to change, I started to get renewed. I just had different desires. Things would come up, or somebody would talk about something, and before it would be like, oh, I need to go do that. But my mind was like, that sounds like a bad idea. There's no happiness in that. That's miserable. My, my actual desires started to change. If you think like a dog, and this kind of like how I would even think of it is, if you have a dog and you say, don't chase cars, right? Well, a dog wants to go chase cars. Right? A cat comes out, wants to go chase him. We got rabbits all over our neighborhood. Sees a rabbit, it wants to go chase a rabbit. You say, don't do that. You can get a dog to stop, and it'll sit there, and it'll watch the rabbit go by, or the car go by, or the cat. It'll watch it. But if you look at them, they're like, I mean, their back is done, their hair's going, their tail's like this, and they're just hoping that you'll turn around and not look, or that you'll say, go. And then they're gone. But their heart is just sitting there, waiting. And so I thought I was going to live my whole life like that, just sitting there under the control of the master. But then my heart changed. I was born again. I got a new heart, and I didn't want to chase cars. I didn't want to go get rabbits. Like, I just started to change, and it slowly started to happen. And so that's what grace comes in. It changes our desires. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all, people training us to renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Now check it out. The rest of that passage goes on. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. That's all the bad things that were going on. And then what? To purify our heart. In other words, he's taking those desires out. He's purifying. He's cleaning them out. That's not part of who you are anymore. It's empty. For himself, a people for his own possession who are what? Zealous for good works. In other words, that comes out. And now he puts in a passion where it's our passion driving us to do good things. I want to do some good stuff. I want to help people. And I knew that I was different because I went from in like a, maybe like a four-year span, I went from where, well, maybe it was longer, maybe five or six years, but it was a span where I went from I couldn't have a license, I couldn't have a wallet, I couldn't have ID because I'd go do nothing good with it. And everybody knew don't give Andy money. I went from that, and any time I had a chance to get away and do something, I was going to just take off like a wild mental maniac, chasing my heart. I went from that to I'm actually sitting in my house upstairs one day, and this was in Vancouver, Washington, and I'm sitting there making phone calls. It's like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. I'm sitting here making cold calls all morning. And I realized in the middle of the cold calls, I've been spending my entire morning cold calling people for an outreach to get them to church. And my brain is like, I'm sitting there as I'm doing it, and God just starts talking to me. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Nobody asked me to. Nobody made me do it. Nobody's pushing me to do it. Like, I'm waking up on a Saturday morning, and all I want to do is call people and see if we can help them and get them in the place where God can help them. That was a change of desire. God moved it, changed it, changed my mind. And that's what it's talking about, zealous for good works. We get passionate about, before I would just want to get away from people. Now I want to have them in my home. We want to have hospitality. We want to have a small group. We want to do something. Oh, is there something going on? Yeah, you should just want to rest or go watch Netflix and get away from things. But now, is there an outreach going on? Is there a place I can serve? Oh, you're doing haircuts for foster kids. Can I come sweep hair? Whatever it might be, we just get excited to do stuff that before would have been like, I'm not doing that. 
He changes our heart, changes our desire to serve others and to love others. Then he gives us boldness. And he pours that in. It says, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Now, here's the difference in boldness. It's not boldness because you are. It's boldness because he is. And that's different. If you want all of your boldness in life and your boldness for people and your boldness for the things that God's called you to do to be based on you, your boldness is going to always go up and down depending on your emotions and your mood. There's a newsflash. You'll always have emotions and mood. Always. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane getting ready to go to the cross, and he's like sweating blood and crying. He's like, do I have to do this? Well, he didn't mean that. It was just a spiritual thing. He was a person. He's getting ready to go killed on a cross and carry everybody's sin on him. Like, he meant it. He's crying out, is there another way? He had some mood and some emotions and some things going on. We have that. It doesn't go away just because we're saved. We're not robots. We're people. There's days I get up and want to come into church and pastor, and there's days I come in and I don't. And there's days I come in and I walk in there on a Monday, and I'm like, well, it's a Monday. I got meetings. I got to meet with people, and I don't. And other days I do. Other days I'm excited about it. It's not a spiritual uh, lack to still have emotions, to still grieve, to still have a heart, to still care. It's a part of life. It's part of who God made us to be. But he gives us boldness. It's based on himself, so it doesn't have to fluctuate. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I said, you know what? It's not about me. It's about God. Now, I don't feel like walking into this meeting right now. I don't feel like forgiving you. I don't feel like connecting and talking. I don't feel like reaching out to this person and trying to make things right. I don't feel like working on my marriage. I don't feel like giving and, and helping somebody else's need. I don't feel like that. I'm weak. But you know what? I know that in God's strength, I can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust God with the outcome. If you're a farmer and you want to go crops, you don't just plant and water and farm when you feel like it. You plant and you water and you farm because you want crops to grow. We want the, the produce of good things coming out in our life. That means we have to just treat it like farming. I used to work with my dad doing construction all the time. Not this kind of construction. Outside, shovels, picks, right? I grew up my whole life doing that. And there's plenty of days you go out and you don't want to do that. You know, here we get the heat. There we got heat in the summer. We got rain Lots of rain is in Oregon, and we got lots and lots of ice and snow. I remember going out and breaking off. We had these 90-pound concrete blocks, and they'd all be frozen together, huge pallets of them frozen together, and they're each 85 pounds on the small ones, 115 on the big ones, and they are frozen solid together. And we'd have to go in and, like, use hair dryers or whatever or different things, and get them down enough and bang them with sledgehammers to get them to break off of each other so that we can go build walls. And we're out there freezing to death building walls, but we had to do it because you just get up every day and do it, and at the end of the day, there's a wall. And then there's a paycheck. You get out and you just do the work. And so it works in us, even in our weakness, to be bold and to step forward and do the work. Second Corinthians says that he supplies all of our need for the works that we're supposed to do. Well, I don't have what I need. Have you ever been somewhere somebody invites you and you don't have any money? And you're like, uh, yeah, I'll go. And you think that they invited you because they were going to pay for you. And then as the date gets closer, you start thinking, like, I wonder if they're thinking I'm paying. Anybody been in there before? I've been there. I've been there. They, like, call me up and say, hey, you know, why don't we go see, why don't we go see this play or why don't we go to this basketball game? I'm like, yeah, I'm in. And they're like, great, we're going to go Thursday. Awesome. And then I look at the ticket prices. It's like 60 bucks, 70 bucks, 100 bucks. Like, what? And I'm looking at it. Or even just a dinner, and it's like $25. And I'm like, I usually go to Taco Bell. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, okay. 
And as the day gets closer and closer and closer, I start thinking of ways. Like, well, should I just tell him I can't come? Should I tell him something came up? Should I don't want to tell him I'm broke? Should I just show up and then just hope that they pay? And if they don't, I get an emergency call and I have to leave? (laughs) Should I tell him I'm fasting? That's super spiritual. (laughs) Like, I was totally going to eat with you, but I started fasting. So I'm just going to take a water and I'll just sit here and listen to you. You know, God wants to listen. I want to listen. We all want to listen. I'll just have water. And do that, but really I'm starving. But then you just show up and you're there and you're like, oh, Lord, please let him pay. Please let him pay. You ever been in that situation? I've been in that situation. Lots of times. And so when you're in that situation, you're worried. Well, this is what this verse is talking about. God supplies all of our need. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. Grace. So in other words, it's not just forgiveness. It's something moving in your life. The Holy Spirit moving. God leaning towards you, bringing favor and kindness and help. Let God's help Let his kindness, let his favor, let his benefit, let his goodness actually be working in your life so that you can abound. So that having all sufficiency, which means everything that you need in all things, at all times, you can abound in every good work. In other words, if God's calling you to do something good, whatever is needed to do the good, he's going to give you. And we just have to say yes. You know what? Yes, I'll meet you at the restaurant. Lord, help me. Yes, I'll show up and do that. Oh, gosh. Yes, I'm going to help you move, but I don't want to. I'm tired. I get off work. Yes, we can get together and you can talk to me. I don't want to. I got my own problems. Whatever it is, we think I don't have enough. We just show up and God brings whatever we need in order to give us the sufficiency so that we can do the good work he's called us to do. And the last one here, Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. It says, now to him who is able... To do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Whatever you're thinking God wants to do, he's wanting to do more. It's just how it is. Not because he wants to one-up you. He's not the person when you tell him a story and then they always got to have a better story. Like, oh, I was just trying to tell them about how I, you know, won this game. And they talk, tell me how they won five trophies. And they won the seasons. And they were the champions. And I tried to tell them how I lifted this much weight. And they said, oh, yeah, well, I lifted this much weight. Try to tell them that everything, they always have something better than me. We're not talking about that. My kid was 10 pounds. But they told me their kid was 14 pounds right out of the womb. I don't even know if that's possible. But people that always want to one up. It's not talking about that. The reason that God is always doing more than we can ask or imagine is because he is so much greater than we can imagine. And he only has to do a tiny, 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 tiny bit, and it just is way bigger than what we can handle. It's just so much more. And he's like, I'm just, okay, I'm going to get in the water, and when I do, it's going to make a splash. Why? Just because I'm huge, and some of the water is going to spill out the sides. I'm not trying to. I'm just big. And if I move into your life, guess what? Some stuff's going to start spilling out the sides. And it's going to get wild. Why? Just because I'm big. He's a big God. He does big things. He has big love, a big heart, big vision. When he forgives, he forgives bigger than you. When he loves, he loves bigger than you. When he wants to give generously, and you're like, oh, I think I'll give generously. I think I want to give a 20. And God's like, give 200. You're like, I can't. And he's like, I'm here. We can do this. You're like, I can't. I got a four-year-old, and she doesn't want to go in the middle of the pool. She's got her floaty on. She floats. Every once in a while, I'll let go and just stand there and let her scream. And she's drowning. She's screaming her head off, total panic. Oh, my God, I'm going to die. And she's just floating. 
just floating there. I'm like, you're not dying. You're floating. Help me. You're floating. And all the other little kids are floating around watching her. They're half her size. For some reason, she doesn't want to float in the middle. She thinks she's going to drown. So I'll hold her. So I have a deal with her that she can have, we'll go get a pack of gummy nerds. That's her favorite. As soon as she floats in the middle. And I stand in the middle and I say, you got to come to me. When you come to me, you can have the gummy nerds. We'll go to the store. Okay. I got to do it. Okay. She's like, could you come right over here? That's what she says. And I go, no, I'm not coming right over here. You come to me. She's like, I am, but just come right over here. And we have this whole negotiation going on for like an hour and a half in the pool. And then if I accidentally like get too close over by her while she's on the side, she does. She'll reach out and grab me like we're playing tag. She grabs me and she looks at me. She goes, I got you. I said, you got me. She goes, can we get my gummy nerds? I said, no, you have to be in the middle. I don't want to be in the middle. Because it's so hard. Well, God is the same with us. God's like, come out here where I'm at. Come forgive at this level. Come be generous at this level. Come show hospitality at this level. Come have vision at this level. Come reach out to the lost at this level. Do these things. And we're like, would you just come over here? I don't want to do all of that. I'm scared. Scared of what? I'm scared I'll drown. I'm scared it won't work. I'm scared that I'll drown financially, emotionally, mentally, relationally, spiritually. I'm gonna dr- if I try to do things God's size, I'm going to drown. I said, well, look, I'll hold your hand. I don't want to. We have to be willing to trust God that his grace is working in us, that he wants to touch our lives, not just to bring us to life and leave us alone, but he wants to daily work in our heart, work in our mind, and help us do the things that he's called us to do. He's with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Doesn't mean he stands in the shadows and if something really bad goes down, he's jumping out like some like creepy security person in the back. Don't worry, I'm back here. Don't worry. No, he died because he loves us, not because he wants to stalk us. He wants to do life and relationship with you. He wants to walk it out. And so he's there. He's close by. He's with you. Whatever God's calling you to do, that you're nervous or afraid or set back and don't want to step into, he's calling you to the middle. He's calling you to just do it. Just come out. Do you have to? No. You can go your whole life, and we do. Eventually, we load back up, put our shoes on, and we go back home. The only person missing out in the pool is my four-year-old because she could be having a blast, but she's stuck to the side. Whatever you're not willing to move to the middle on isn't costing God. It's just costing you. You got to let go and you got to move to the middle and let God do it. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you, God, for this uh, opportunity, God, to get into your word. And Lord, I pray that just a deep, deep desire, Lord, to let your grace work in us, God, would come. Lord, let each person, God, whatever it is, Lord, maybe it's a family situation, it's a friend situation, it's a financial situation, it's a a gifting or calling, you want somebody to step out, and God, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that your spirit would work in people's hearts, God, to cause them a deep desire, Lord, to move out to the deep parts of where you want to live, where you want to enjoy with them, God, where you want to bring everything to life, God, I thank you for it, and please protect Kyle on this hike. We do want him to come home, in Jesus' name, amen. 
the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.